We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. One more Sunday. 52 weeks would be over, Lord. We just want to thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. It was your hand and your hand alone that brought us thus far. You met us at every turn. At every trial, at every test, it is your hand that kept us from being destroyed. We just want to thank you for your provision, everything. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I pray you would meet your people at your point of need. You would bless them and you would keep them. And we commit Hannah here, Lord, into their hands as she enters into a new year in her life today. I pray that you would bless her and you would keep her. And as she asks, Lord, let it be a new beginning in our life. You said, behold, I make all things new. And I pray it will be true for her and true for everyone that they will walk in the newness of life that Christ came to bring. We commit this time of ministry into thy hands. The hearing of the word, the preaching of the word, the believing of the word, and the doing of the word. Both for us who are here and the children who will be in Sunday school, for all of them, Lord, all of us. Help us not to be just hearers. Help us to believe and obey. As you said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. That life you came to bring us. That overcomes. Help us to hear, believe and obey, Lord. Commit the children, little ones, toddlers, the Sunday school teachers, everyone into their hands. Bless them, Lord. All our children shall be taught of the Lord. Great shall be their peace. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, little ones are released. We begin with the scripture that's right in front of your eyes. Nehemiah 2 and verse 18. That's how we began on 31st night of 2020, 2019 and first morning. Nehemiah, I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this Good work. Let us rise up and build. So the question to be asked is, did you build? First, did you rise up? See, that, that's, a, that's the way God speaks. It's not talking about a physical attitude. It's talking about a spiritual attitude. You know, in 20 years... In Laban's house, God will tell Jacob, arise, make up your mind, take a firm decision. That's what it means. That's what it means. It not means just getting up from your chair. That's what it means. Have you made a determined decision? 
the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit before time immemorial, the determined counsel of God. They shall create man and man will fall and we shall go down and save him. They made a counsel, determined. You know, that's what makes us humans. I said before you life and death, blessing and curses, you choose. That means we have the will to choose. That's what animals don't have. The rest of creation do not have. We have. Angels, of course, have. And humans have. We have. The capacity to make decisions. So last year, the Lord said, rise up and build. And I was teaching through the week, I was telling the church, before you study scripture, it's one verse now. Whenever you do your personal study, I hope you are doing your personal study of scripture. Three questions you should ask. The first question is, what did this mean then? Nehemiah was speaking. Two, what does it mean now? What does this scripture mean now? Because this is 2,600 years ago. Right? So, what was said then, what does it mean now? If you don't have these questions, then the word of God is not living. It is dead. But it's not dead. It's dead for you, but it's always living. And third question, what does it mean to me personally? You have these three questions. You can do your own Bible study. What did it mean then? What does it mean now? What does it mean to me personally? What is that I need to build? What is that I need to make up my mind about? Lord, speak to me. These three questions. Okay? It's important because 2020 when this was given, we had no clue what this meant, what this year was going to be. Let me tell you what this year was going to be, as scripture shows us. Hebrews 12, 26 to 29. Whose voice then shook the earth and now he has promised, saying, let once more, yet once more I shake not only the earth but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. He says, you know what he's going to do? He says, once more, I want to shake everything. And I want to shake things that can be shaken. So you will know what can be shaken and what cannot be shaken. By the way, God shakes. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Okay? What are we receiving? A kingdom. So, God says, when everything is being shaken, if you have risen and built you will see certain things are not being shaken at all. And you will know that's the kingdom, the rest is not. Rest is not. By which we may, let us have grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. But if you look at this second and this this portion, the first shaking was talking about Moses' time. He says, not only earth, heaven also will be shaken. Now we'll say, I've been looking, but I see nothing being shaken. See, this is our problem. We don't understand when God says when heaven is being shaken. He says the spiritual world is being shaken. Okay? And the, the, to rejoice when you are tested. Because when you are tested, you will know how real is your salvation. How real is your Some of you are very cool um, when everything is being shaken. Because that is the, the bliss of ignorance. They say ignorance is bliss. No? 
the bliss of ignorance. It's not that you're very strong. It's, <laughs> it's simply because you have no clue what is happening. In English you say, forewarned is forearmed. Okay? None of us is ever to be taken by surprise by anything that happens now or in the future because we have been forewarned. We are the only set of people who have been forewarned by God. Not only has everything been written in scripture and given in advance, we also have been given the spirit who will tell us about things to come. Both are told in the Bible. It will come. Okay. So that we do not have to fear. We do not have to fear. So, rise up and build. Build what? How do I build myself? Jude 1.20 says, you know, build yourself in the most, my beloved, but you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. We have to do, we have to do that. The two things the apostles learned after Jesus rose from the dead, two things ultimately will decide how you reach eternity. Your faith life and your prayer life. Your word life and your prayer life. That's the shift that took place for us when the pandemic hit. Our word life and our prayer life went for a sixer. Okay. We were doing singles before that. Okay. Suddenly we decided singles won't do in a situation like this. We need to hit boundaries. Because the number of overs are very few. And the game has to be won. Very fun. Which is true. We are running out of time. We are running out of time. And when you know you are running out of time, two of the most important things for a child of God, for a saint is your prayer life and your word life has to have a paradigm shift. You cannot survive on the old ways of prayer and the old ways of studying and meditating. And walking in faith. That's why Jude. Jude is the final letter before revelation. Jude writes. The Holy Spirit has put it all in order. Doing God's people. He writes. And these are his almost final words. And after that the apocalypse begins. The revelation of the end. So just before the revelation of the end. What is God's Holy Spirit telling? Build yourself up. In faith. And pray in the Holy Spirit. Why do we pray in the Holy Spirit? Because the book of Corinthians says, those who pray in the Spirit builds themselves up. He says, you need faith and you need praying in the Spirit so that when it comes, you are not shaken. You are not shaken. But what happens? You see in the midst of shaking an incredible opportunity to minister. That's why our ministry also exploded during that time. We reached more people during the pandemic than we ever did in the past 10 years. It just exploded. You know why? So that's how it is tested. And Paul and Silas were beaten up and thrown in. They were not shaken. The gates of praise opened. And before the night was over, all the prisoners had heard the gospel. The jailer and the family were baptized. They had a revival service in the prison. You know why? It's simply because when everything was literally the Bible says the foundations of the prison were shaken, but they were not shaken. Everybody else was shaken. These two guys were not shaken. 
That's how you have to look at life when things are going through. I mean, these are the fundamental spiritual principles you have to look at. When famine hit everybody, everybody was moving in one direction towards Egypt, to the ways of the world. One man was told, don't move. And he obeyed. And God said, so he sold. And scripture says, that year he received a hundredfold. You know why? Because when the shaking came, he refused to be shaken because he heard, he believed, he obeyed. And he had a harvest. He had a harvest. So this is how the kingdom of God works. If you go to Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 18, we also need to know what we are fighting for. Every, oh, not, you're fighting for your 414, not 18, sorry, 414, okay? I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight. You need to realize, when you are building, you are fighting. Because the devil doesn't like walls. He hates gates of praise. He hates it. There's nothing more than he hates than praise, because he wants praise. And when you don't praise God, you are praising him. You don't realize when you are not, <laughs> when you are not praising God, you are praising Him. <laughs> That's how it works in the spiritual realm. Okay, so when you praise God, He hates it. But you need to realize when you are building the walls, when you are hanging the gates, what are you doing spiritually? You are fighting for your brethren, you are fighting for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. That's what it's all about. It's not about things. It's not about your job. It's about people. It's about people. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and then get into today's message. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaleah. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, I was in Sushan, the citadel, and Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. They said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and moaned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The first thing is that Nehemiah knew. Okay, Nehemiah knew. A few people came back from Jerusalem and he inquired of them and they told him the state. He was very clear. It's not a He was very clear in his questions. He wanted to know the state of the people and the state of the city. And they said, this is the city. The question is, he had access to that information. He knew. The question is, do you know? How can you have a burden for something which you do not know of? Nehemiah was not living during the times of phones and satellite TV and cable channel and everything. Nothing. He had no, no newspapers. Nothing. But he still knew. Still knew. And he chose to inquire and know. We are a generation where people sitting at the other end from Australia, that's one end, to US, other end, people are listening to us live. Live. I mean, that's what is available now. Amazing. Yet, we hardly know anything. The state of the church. 
We do not know. There are two things you need to know. One, you need to know your word. Two, you do need to know what's happening now. Nehemiah need to know how Jerusalem originally was. And Nehemiah need to know how Jerusalem is now. And that's what the reaction. Because people do not know the word of God, they do not know what is happening. And if they don't know what is happening, they don't know how to relate to it. That's why God says people just die away because of ignorance. As we are living at a time of not just information technology, but in the last few months, 10 months, the greatest suppression of information. Suppression of information. The greatest. Because let me tell you, all the people sitting here, over 100 people sitting here, there could be just a handful of you who actually read. The rest of you get your information from electronic media. The problem with electronic media, it's being controlled now. Absolutely controlled. Censored. In 10 years' time, most of China, a new generation, will believe that President Xi is part of the Christmas story. That's what, they're changing the Bible there. Changing the Bible there. See, you don't have a copy of this, but you have an electronic copy, which can be manipulated. That's why I said that I have my electronic copy, but I don't do any updates on it. I don't want your update. I want KJV to remain as KJV. The danger of what we are going through and what we are seeing. Absolute control. Your thinking is being controlled. You know why? This one thing I've been telling you from day one. Children, learn to read, learn to read, learn to read. Get into the discipline of reading and start thinking on your own. Don't let them think for you. Don't let them think for you. That's what happens in communist regimes. They think for you. They let you know what you need to know. They become the arbiters of truth. And ultimately what they tell you is truth. And people are all on that one road, nicely paved on the way to hell. So here is a man who knew. He asked and he sat down and he wept. Scripture says he sat down. What does it mean? He was so overcome. Hearing that news, he just sat down, broken, he sat down. Because before you can arise and do what God tells you to do, you need to sit down because you are burdened by what God has put in your heart. The question I keep asking, can God put a burden on you? Since he fasted and prayed day and night. If you look at the record, he fasted and prayed for almost four months. Fasted and prayed. One issue, Lord, make a way, make a way, make a way. Make a way, Lord, I got this burden. I want to go back and rebuild. But Lord, how do I go? I'm the cupbearer, but I'm a slave. I'm owned by the emperor. And I cannot even, I'd always stand there before him smiling. Because you can't even have a sad expression on your face. Because you cannot make the king upset. You could be killed. 
could be taken away. You are not just dismissed from service, you are dismissed from life. That's what the Bible says. Four months later, the king looked at him and says, why are you downcast? And he was afraid. Because it's a, it's a judgment. You're not supposed to before the king. But that's why he prayed for four months. Lord, make a way, make a way, make a way, make a way. Let me have favor. Let me have favor, Lord. Lord, you can. And God showed him favor. God made a way. Yet I believe a lot of Jews in Jerusalem knew what was happening. But they were not bothered. They were not bothered. Salehga, how does it affect me? I'm well settled in Babylon. My children are not going to Jerusalem anyway. They have settled down here. And I'm looking for an alliance now to settle my daughter also. Not in Jerusalem, here only. That's how we think. We're not bothered. And actually, if you look through the record of the Babylonian captivity, every one of them who have moved, all of them were well settled. Nehemiah was very settled. I mean, in his civil service career, you can't go higher than that. He's the king's cupbearer, meaning the king trusts him. Trust him. Esther is the queen. The favored queen. Daniel is the top satrap. All of them are well settled. But they, all of them are risking their life for Jerusalem. When Jerusalem's status doesn't affect them at all. It's like telling, you all study because you need a job. But think about the guy who's got a very good job and he studies. Actually, he doesn't have to study. He's settled. But he studies harder than you. Rest of the people, it didn't matter at all. It didn't matter at all. Today we are going to look at a subject, very, very dangerous thing, because it's so easily to be missed. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Where is Ajay? You went to Sunday school? Oh, Ajay, you poured, right? Good job, Ajay. Without spilling, you did. For the past 40 days, we have been trying to spill in the church office without spilling. You did what none of us could do. So you have a talent. It's not a small talent, okay? Elisha poured water for a long time and he became a prophet. So pouring water also is a talent. Honestly, you ask anybody who's in the church office praying, we've been trying it every day, it spills. And he managed to do that. It's a skill. So there we are. Come now you who say, Tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Because everybody is making plans for 2021. Do you know you are going to enter 2021? First of all. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is, the Bible doesn't mince words, it's bad. No, evil. Evil. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Like I said, one of those incredible, logical, toughest letter in the Bible is the book of James. 
not mine, his. <laughs> the epistle of James. It is tough. It is. See, I need to tell you this. I joke, but I'm not a joker. Okay, because somebody once told me, a few people from US told me, Pastor, if you hadn't become a pastor, you would have, would have a great career in the US as a stand-up comedian. And I said, I never thought about that as a career. But let me tell you, this is one of the toughest and yet the most logical books, epistles, the Holy Spirit has put it like, bang, point after point after point after point, how this letter flows. Okay. You know what this sin is? This is not the sin that of anything anybody does. This is the sin of not doing what you should have done. Which most of us are guilty of and all of us are guilty of every Sunday. Do you know why you struggle to hear the word? Because you simply did not do what you are supposed to do on Saturday. It's not what you are doing now. So what you did not do last night. Last night. It's a very dangerous sin. It's a very deceptive sin. Because you don't even realize it. See, everybody knows when they sin. I did it. Daddy said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Everybody is aware of it. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. Everybody knows that. But this is a very, very deceptive sin. This is the devil's most dangerous ploy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, the devil's most powerful weapon. I fear, lest somehow as a serpent, what did he do? Deceit. The devil's most powerful weapon is deception. He cannot kill you, but he can kill you by deception. Most powerful weapon. It's the weapon of deception. And you know what? Deception does not take place in the world. In 2 Corinthians, I'm talking about spiritual deception. 2 Corinthians 4.4. What takes place in the world? The ruler of this world, what has he done? Whose minds the God of age has blinded. What has he done to the poor unbelievers? He blinded their minds. If you're blind, you can't see. So their minds are blinded, therefore they do not believe. But believers is a different thing altogether. He cannot blind your eyes. Your eyes are open. You can't say, I didn't hear the gospel. You heard the gospel. No, I was not taught. You were taught. I was not prayed over so many times. Nobody fasted for me. We did regularly. Oh, I didn't have a Bible. We gave you many copies. I didn't have a pen and a book. We gave you that also. So what happens to believers? They are deceived. Unbelievers are blinded. Believers are deceived. That's the danger. That is what Jesus warned the church about. In Matthew 24, when his disciples asked his question, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You know what Jesus said? What? Take heed, no one? He didn't say, okay, let me give you the signs. 
first. When you know this, this, this is happening and when you hear the clock going tick tock, you know I am coming. He didn't say, he said, you know you what? First thing, be very careful. Watch out for deception. The biggest danger the church faces is the danger of deception. See, Jesus came. The Romans were blinded. They were not deceived. Because they had no clue who Jesus was. They had no law. There was no law to point them to Jesus. They had no clue. The Jews were not blinded. They were deceived. The Romans were blinded. The Jews were deceived. You know when we are deceived? When we do not do what we are called to do. What we are supposed to do. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says this. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. What is he saying? What is he saying? What he is saying is this. If you do not care for your soul, you are deceived. If you are so gung-ho about taking care of your body, which you are, everybody does. You say, not that. But if you are so particular about taking care of your body and you neglect your soul, you are absolutely deceived. Absolutely deceived. Absolute. Do you take care of your soul? Do you consistently take care of your soul? Let us say, not more. Just make it simple. As much as you take care of your body, you are deceived. And you should be taking care of your soul more than you take care of your body. Within the four walls of every church, the enemy works day and night to deceive us. Do you remember the rich man? And Lazarus? The rich man who went to hell? Do you remember him? How did he reach hell? Because he was deceived. He was deceived by his religion. His Jewish, Judaic, kosher religion. He was deceived. And when he reached hell, do you remember what he realized? TS 19B5372. It's an alto. Gray alto. An alto. An alto. It's not ours. It's yours. 5372 is yours? Do you know your number? <laughs> not yours. Okay, it's not. Oh, it's your car. <laughs> your husband certifies it's your car. <laughs> it's good she knows her car, her husband knows her. But you parked it there? It is up. Pardon? Okay, it is 5372, okay? You just have to be moved upstairs. Maybe it's blocking some other guy. Just go check it out. Okay. Or just give the car to Sajid if you need. Do you know what he said from hell? Suddenly he realized, not only am I deceived, my five brothers are also deceived. That's when he realized, all our synagogue going, festival keeping Jews, only when he reached down, he realized, all my brothers are also deceived. Please, can you send Lazarus to give them the gospel? 
That's what James is talking about. Apostle James 4 verse 13 and 14. We are all making plans for 2021. And it's good. You should make plans. If you don't have plans, then that means you have no idea about life. It's good to have plans. It's very good. There's nothing wrong in anything that is talking. You should make profit. Because he said, show me my profit. Occupy it till I come. So he he's a businessman. God thinks like a businessman. If you start a business, you should have profit. If you don't have profit, shut it down. Don't incur loss year after year. Shut it down and ask God, what should I do? That will bring profit. So all that is fine. There was only one issue here. If you come to verse 15, one issue. What is that? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord... Uh, what is the issue? He did not factor God in. That was the issue. It's not what you do. In what you do every day, where does God have his place? Is God say? Where is God in the picture? Where is God in the picture? In Psalm 14 and verse 1 says, Yeah, didn't I give it to you? Yeah. The fool says, has said in his heart, there is no God. What has the fool said in his heart? There is no But who is the greater fool? The one who says there is God and then lives as if there is no God. That's a bigger fool. The other fellow is just a fool. A blinded fool. But what are we? The deceived fool. So there is a bigger fool than the atheist. The one who acknowledges there is God but lives as if there is no God. So let me ask you this question. I want to ask you to put a hand up, hand up. Okay? I'm not asking you to put up your hands. Did you read your Bible yesterday? Did you pray yesterday? Did you pray this whole week? Did you read your Bible? Did you listen to a message? Did you? You know what? You're a bigger fool than the communist. If you didn't. Because you are living Literally off God, because he's the one who takes care of his people. Off God, without acknowledging God. The earth and its fullness belongs to God, meaning everything, including the air you breathe, belongs to him. So we are only all living off God without acknowledging God. God says, you know what? This is the greatest danger. So we are very, very clear about the sins we do. But we are very negligent about what we are supposed to do. And we don't do it. Remember the fig tree? Jesus was going down. The leaves were there. He looked for a fruit. No fruit. You know what thing? He cursed it. That's the only thing Jesus ever cursed. It was not an animal. It was not a human being. It was a tree. He cursed the tree. But let me ask you this question. Why did he curse the tree? Because he hit his foot on the... Okay. The branch hit his face. Why did he curse the tree? Simply there was no? Yeah, that's all. For something he did not do. What's the point of a tree? Fruit tree? To bring? Fruit. And if it doesn't bring fruit? He cursed it. The next day they come, it's dead. Not for what it did. For what it did not do. It was good, green leaves all over, but it didn't do one thing. And for that, he cursed it. That's why we have to look through this year. God gave us a promise. Did we rise? Did we build? 
Do you remember about the parable of the talents? Ten servants called. Each one was given one, 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 one talent. And three are pictured as illustrations. One brought ten. Another brought three. Another one said, here, Lord, you gave me one, I give it to you. What did God call him? Wicked. Why did he call him wicked? Did he do anything wrong? Did he gamble with that money? Did he buy cigarettes? Did he eat it off? Why did he call him wicked? Because of what he did not do. Do you remember the story of there was a man. Jesus was a very good storyteller and every story after that has come out of his different themes. There was a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and robbers waylaid him. Why did robbers waylay him? Because that's a job of robbers. Robbers are very hardworking. They did... They did what they were supposed to do. Though it was wrong, they are wicked people, evil. What do evil people do? Evil. And they did it. Left him, robbed him, left him bleeding on the road. We all know that song, right? And Peter will sing it also very well. Okay? And then what happens? A priest comes by, looks at him and goes. A Levite comes by, looks at him and he goes. And then a Samaritan comes. Everybody knows the story? Anybody who does not know, know the story? There is somebody, I'll send it to Sunday school. Nobody, everybody knows. Now let me tell you the, tell you the problem, issue. Did the priest lie? Was the priest indicted for not reading his Bible? What was Jesus upset about the priest and the Levite? For something they did not do. Did not do. They didn't beat up the man. The priest and the Levite did not beat up the man. The robbers did. They didn't steal his money. Why are you so upset with me? God said, not because of what happened to him, but what you did not do to him. That's the issue. They just ignored him. Exodus 3, 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside. <laughs> Why did God speak to Moses? Because see? Why does God not speak to us? Because we don't turn aside. That's simple as that. You know why God doesn't speak to us? Because we don't do what we are supposed to do. When we see a fire, we are supposed to turn aside. Meaning when you have heard a message, you go back and say, you know, Pastor spoke to me today. I want to go back and read Nehemiah today. And the minute you start doing it, God says, you know what? He did it. Now I will speak to him. The problem is we hear a message, we go back and we for, before we get out of the doors, we have forgotten it. And he will say, it's been so many years, God has never spoken to me. God says, did you ever do? We heard about Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah heard verse 4. He sat down, he wept, he moaned. He didn't ignore it. He didn't ignore it. Nehemiah was not guilty of the sin of omission. He sat down and wept. So God put the burden on his heart. He will go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. And for eternity it will be remembered. This man built the walls of Jerusalem. That man brought Israel out. You know what? Because they 
did not ignore it. Esther 4, 15 and 16. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan, fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, so I will go to the king which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She did not ignore. She could have ignored. What can you do? What can Mordecai do? He can't even enter into the courtyard. What can he do? Nothing. She's a queen. She could have just ignored it. She heard something and she said, you know what? I will not ignore it. I will do something about it. Daniel chapter 9, 2 and 3. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. How old are you, Daniel? Around 90. Are you going back to Jerusalem? No. Are you done with life? Yes. What are you going to do? Pray. Why? Because I have information. Now, I cannot turn aside and say, it doesn't affect me anywhere, so what's the big deal? No, it's a big deal in eternity. Big deal. The sin of omission is a big deal in eternity. John chapter 3, verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. And he who does not believe is because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So let me tell you one thing. To be saved, what do you need to do? Everybody, believe. To be saved, what do you need to do? To go to hell, what do you need to do? Nothing. You don't have to do one thing to go to hell. You will simply go to hell. Once you are born into this world, all you have to do to go to hell is do nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You don't have to do anything. You'll automatically go to hell. Because you are born for hell and born again for heaven. All you have to do is do nothing. Do nothing. You know why people go to hell? Because of one thing they did not do. Believe in God's only son. Only one thing. So what should I do? To go to hell? Nothing. So the question is, did we rise and build? Question is, did you factor God in? Everybody did something. But where was God in it? In Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2, it's put so beautifully by the psalmist. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless God has built it, whatever you're building, if God was not with you in building it, it's all useless. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early. It's good for you to rise up early, but it is vain for you to rise up early without God. Without God. It's vain for you to sit up late without God. It's a waste of energy. To eat the bread of sorrows. Ultimately, what will it be? You'll be eating the bread of sorrows. Because that's what the world does. Rising up early, sitting up late, building, building, laboring, building. All are good. But without God, you are just another fool. 
In second Samuel chapter 11. So we go there. Got it? It happened in the spring of that year at a time when kings go out to battle. That David sent Job and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah and then the word says, but that's where it all started. Do you know why David fell? Because he did not do what he was supposed to do. So he ended up doing what he was not supposed to do. That's what I said. <laughs> what was he supposed to do? A time when kings go to war, you go with your army. What did he do? He didn't go. The rest is all following. If he had done what he was supposed to do, he would have never done what he was not supposed to do. As simple as that. So you are always first guilty of the sin of omission before the sin of commission. The devil came and asked Eve. That's where it all started, right? The deceiver comes to Eve and asks, did God really say that you should not eat from any tree? So we'll say that's where it began. No, you know what she should have said? I never talked to a snake without asking my husband. That's all she had to say. That's all she had to say. Story over. You know why she fell? Because she did not do what she was supposed to do. I'm not going to talk to anyone and do anything without checking with my husband. Because God had told her husband not to eat from the tree. A lot of people are like that. They, They don't ask authority. They pass information to authority. It started with Eve. Here, take it. That is passing information, not asking permission. Children are very smart. Have you noticed? I did it. (laughs) What happens is that, you know, when my young days, the door opens, the football ground is there. And you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock, the call will start. You know, I won't tell you my pet name. My mother would shout from me to come back. No, which child wants to come back from the football ground? No, he wants to live and die there. He doesn't want to go home, right? So you also are smart. You know how far her voice will go, and you know the time. So what do you do? You stay out of her earshot. Money. Didn't I hear you? Hear me call you? I didn't. I didn't. Okay. Did you see? But he stayed home. That's where all trouble begins. If you do what you are called to do, supposed to do, you will not do what you are not supposed to do. As simple as that. And second line. It happened one evening that David arose from his bed. Wait a second. Read it carefully. It happened? It happened? What are you doing sleeping till evening? What are you doing sleeping till evening? Especially you are a Jew, right? I've given day to work, a night to sleep. What are you doing sleeping during the day? What are you doing? That's why you couldn't sleep at night. 
Because you did not do what you are supposed to do. What is that? Sleep at night. So now you are sleeping in day. And now you are awake at night. And you are getting into trouble. Simple. Very simple. You did not do what you were supposed to do. This is the sin of omission. Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first, sir. And all his, and his righteousness and all these things. Lord, I'm struggling. Did you do what you're supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? That I didn't do. Did you see? You know why God is not able to add? Often, I'm talking about believers. Because we do not do what we were told to do. Matthew 6.13 Lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. Mark 14.38 Oh, this has no signal here. Mark, not Matthew. Mark 14.38 Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. James chapter 1.12 Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And when he has been approved, he will receive what? The crown of life. Crown of righteousness is different. Crown of life is different. Different crowns are there. All kinds of crowns are there in heaven. And verse 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And the whole thing goes down until it brings forth death. Okay? So what is the doorway to death? What is the doorway to? Temptation. And what is the method God has said? Pray. I am falling. Question is, falling is at the other end. Did you pray? That I don't enter into temptation. Jesus did. Hebrews 4.15 says, He was tempted at all points, and he did not sin. And Hebrews 5.7 says, In the days of his flesh, how did he pray? He offered this entire prayer. This one is that I will not succumb to temptation. This entire prayer. I will not succumb to temptation. So, we are thinking about sin and then enticing sin. Then what is the other sin which you are captured into? What do you call it, that word? Mm. No? Sammy said something from me. Yeah, besetting sin. And then finally death. But God says you don't have to go through any of this thing. All you have to do is pray. But God said, did you pray? See, Jesus is not just a Doctor, he says prevention is always better than cure. That's why in the prayer, he doesn't say, heal me from all my sicknesses. He says, no, lead me not into temptation. That is prevention. That's our problem. Basically, Jesus is saying, the truth is there is absolutely no temptation you and I cannot overcome. If he pray, if he pray, if he pray. So lack of prayer is what? Sin of omission, not sin of commission. 
I fell because I prayed. Nobody will say that. That's a lie. That is only in our Vedas. Not in the kingdom of God. In the Vedas, the Sadhuji comes fasting from the Himalayas and then when Arpana dance, he is fallen. All your fasting and prayer goes for good for nothing. Elijah comes fasting and praying, binds up all the prophets of Baal, they cannot even move. Our guys come down and they are falling left, right and center. What prayer and fasting is this? We are not talking about that. We are talking about something in the kingdom of God. Genuine in the kingdom of God. So nobody can say in the kingdom of God, I fell because I fasted and prayed. No. You fall. Because. Okay. James 4.2 You lust and you do not have. You murder, covet, cannot obtain. You fight and war. Entire thing we people do is there. You do not have. You did not ask. Why does all these things happen? Because you did not ask. You did not ask. This is not what you did. Why did you do all these things? Because you did not. That's what actually God told David. Look, dude, you know how much I love you? If you wanted a woman, I would have given you all this woman. Why did you take Uriah's wife? If that was your problem, I know you have a problem, and I'm trying to deliver you out of the problem, but if that was your problem, could have just asked me. Anyway, you got eight or nine wives, I would have added six more to that. (laughs) That's what God said. Why do you? Because that's what he did. He lusted, he murdered, because you did not ask. You don't ask. I'm not saying God is sanctioning taking so many wives, but kings did. Kings did. Are you getting it? Or say for six. We all know it. What is it? My people are destroyed for lack of. Why do we? Why are we destroyed? Because we are of our wordlessness. Wordlessness. Jyoti, do you know what's written in Matthew 29 verse 1? There's no Matthew 29, okay? (laughs) This is our problem. Pastors do this in the book of Zedekiah. Everybody is searching, searching. I cannot find, I cannot find. Then he will say there is no book of Zedekiah. He's just a person in the book. We are familiar with every footballer's name, every tennis player's name, every cricket score from 1970. People will give you the score without blinking. Okay. Then you ask them, what is an epistle? Epistle, epistle. Is that apostle's wife? (laughs) 
we are a generation which has got so many versions of the Bible and we have read none. And we, see we are dying literally because of the sin of omission. We just don't read our word. We don't meditate on our word. We just don't pray. As simple as that. You see when Amalek attacks, that's the enemy attacks, when the devil deceives, he does not make a frontal attack. He hits you at your weak points. Weak points. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 9, because you have to rise and build, right? Yeah. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now let's go to verse 8. Uh, the seventh verse, yeah. I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Okay? Let us say a thorn. Everybody. Anybody who has never been poked by a thorn? When you were poked by a thorn, okay, what a thorn got into you, you immediately knew where it was, right? Yeah, right? Do you know your flesh well? How well do you know your flesh? Do you know your weaknesses? How can you build your wall if you do not know where it is broken down? Do you know your flesh? Can we recognize? He exactly knew. Everybody has a weakness. Everybody has a weakness. And you know exactly. Because Amalek doesn't attack frontal. He attacks at your weak spot. Isn't that what Deuteronomy that one gave you? Yeah? What does it say? Remember when Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt? How you met you on the way? Attacked your rare ranks. All the stragglers that you rare. When you were tired and weary, he did not fear God. When you are tired and you are weary and you are lagging behind, that's when he comes. Even Jesus. When he was hungry and tired after 40 days, the devil appeared. The devil appeared. Okay. So God says, do you know your weakness? Do you know your flesh well? Where you are weak in your flesh? Do you know the weakness of your flesh? Because everybody is not weak in the same area. Each one is weak in different areas. Samson's weakness is not Gideon's weakness. Gideon's weakness is not Jephthah's weakness. Moses' weakness is not uh, Joshua's weakness. Moses got an issue with anger and Joshua has got an issue with fear. Joshua is not uh, an angry person. Moses has no fear. Joshua is fearful. So everybody, it can be, I'm just giving you little examples. Do you know your flesh? Because that is the first step before you can rise up and build. Do you know your weakness? Do you know? If a thorn were to come into your flesh, body, everybody knows. Your flesh, do you know? Is it sloth? That you are actually a lazy person. If laziness 
is your issue, then you need to do a word study on laziness and the judgments of God on laziness so that you will wake up and deal with it. It's very serious. Or is it loose talk? You have to read the Bible about loose talk. And suddenly you will wake up. Or maybe it is overeating. You do a study of that in the Bible and you will, you know what, I need to build up this wall here. It may not just take away my crown, I may even lose my salvation if I am not careful. Or maybe obsession with the outward. Outward is all got to do with things. That's what. Things. Christ came, Santa came. All things. But personally, things. Love not the world. I don't love the world and the things in it. Okay. Wait a second. Things. Do you know why Lord's wife died? Do you know why Lord's wife died just outside the city of refuge? Because she loved a lot of things and she had left a lot of things in that city and she couldn't bear the sight of it burning. And that was the first test for Lot, for Job. All your things are gone, things. And he said, big deal. Naked I came, naked I go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where Lot's, and Lot and Lot's family failed, Job succeeded. This is a question God asked. Because only the Holy Spirit can show us our weaknesses. But first we have to be Acknowledge we have weaknesses. And one of the best ways to know weaknesses is that even when you are hearing a message or somebody says something, if you get offended or angry, that's your weakness. Your weak it was touched there. It was you were touched there. Don't get mad at the preacher, get mad at yourself. 1 Samuel 17, 29 to 30. Once you know your weakness, you need, you need to rise up and build. 17, 29. David said, what I have done now? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him. He's come with bread for his brothers. Goliath is there. He throws a challenge at the Israel. He says, who is this uncircumcised man who dare defies the armies of the living God? His brother gets mad. Get mad. What does he do? Turn away. Turn away. He just turns away. You know why a lot of people get into trouble? Because they simply don't turn away. They pick fights which are irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. Just turn away. That's just enough. If he hadn't turned away and picked up a battle with his elder brother, he wouldn't be able to face Goliath. You know why we are not able to face Goliath? Because we are fighting with Eliab. And we lost our anointing. And the Holy Spirit withdraws. He not left you, but he withdraws. Because he is now not able to speak to you because you picked the wrong fight. Just ignore it. You are so busy fighting with your wife and you should be fighting with the devil. The devil is sitting there and said, Kya baat hai? Free ticket? Gusti dekh rahe? 
Can you imagine demons coming to Satan? Satan said, I'm so bored. Can I go to that house? You can see Kusti. WWF. We offer free entertainment for the devil. Why? Because we just don't ignore things. Ignore things. Next one. First Samuel 18, 7 and 9. The woman sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousand. Saul was very angry and saying, displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, it ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have? But What he should have done? Ignored it. Did he ignore it? No. That's the open door. He should have just ignored it. Samir is really good. Oh, that means I am not good. Immediate thought is that, Pastor said Samir is really good. That means I am not good. I work so hard for the church. I come early morning. I leave late in the night. I sweat. Was anything implied there? (laughs) Because we have all this... Questions that come from around the world. No? My husband compliments all women. He never compliments me. Now husbands, please compliment your wives. Okay? My simple... I understand the pain and everything. But my whole question is that... Do you want your husband to treat other women the way he treats you? Shout at them the way he shouts at you? Because that's an executive privilege. <laughs> he has privilege and license to shout at only one woman. So you are special. You have to reorient your mind when the husband shouts at you. You need to realize, I am special. Why? Because he shouts at nobody else. And just If you just reorient your mind, how happy life would be. I am special. Why? Because he shouts only at me. On the other hand, imagine he shouts at his neighbor's wife. You should say, what's wrong with you? Why are you shouting at her? If you want to shout, shout at me. I am special. You know, if we just ignored a lot of things in life, if only he had ignored this. Just a song. It was just a song. David has only killed one man in his entire life. And he already said he's killed 10,000. The people were just singing a song. From there he went. Gone. Finished. Don't take the bait. You need to know your weak area. You know why you got upset? Because you're a jealous person. You're a jealous. You're a vain person. That was your problem solved. You know why you were picked? You were picked because of only one quality. Your head and shoulders above the others. You were picked for your looks. You were not picked for your character. So anybody gets a little more credit, you get upset because only I should be appreciated, not anybody else. If people had sung, David has killed Goliath, but Saul is the greatest, Saul would say. Exactly. That is what you should have said. That's the problem. Vanity, vanity. You need to understand when we react to certain things, we need to realize, where am I weak in my flesh? That's why I'm reacting like that. I'm reacting like that. 
I don't. I cannot. I'm breaking law number two. I really do not love my neighbor as myself. There are two commandments on which everything hinges. And always we break law number two. And God will show that. One and two. In different subtle ways the devil will make us break it. John chapter 3, 26, 27. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, all are coming to him. Rabbi, intention is wicked, okay? Rabbi, do you know? The man you pointed, he's also started baptizing. As such, he's called John the Baptist, meaning his job is to baptize. Now, another rival has risen, Jesus the Baptist. Not only that, he's baptizing more people than you. What are they trying? To see if you'll get jealous. What did he say? John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from above. Is he baptizing more? Praise God. The next service has more people? Praise God. The next service has more more decorations? Praise God. Only which Santa had not been there. Otherwise, let them hang it out. Does it bother me? Book of Romans, Paul says, one man celebrates a festival, another man does not. Lord, look down upon the man. One man eats faith, other man eats vegetables. Don't look down upon the one who eats vegetables. Leave it alone. Each one is living unto God. He's not breaking any cardinal rule over here. We will not ignore these things. What we should ignore, we don't ignore. This is our problem. Are you understanding what flesh is? If you don't know your weakness, how will you know the wiles of the devil? How will you know the thorn when it's in your flesh? So first you have to recognize your weakness. Next you have to refuse your weakness. John the Baptist Refuse. David refused. Saul accepted the devil's suggestion. That's what the devil does. He does such, he doesn't do directly anything. He just put ideas into your mind and a feeling. And you act upon it, it becomes your own. You can't say no copyright was the devil's. The devil says no. It's yours. <laughs> That's what he does. Because if you don't recognize, how do you refuse? But that also is not what God intends for us. He wants us to be active. Resist. James chapter 4 verse 7. Therefore submit to God. And what are you supposed to do? Not just refuse the devil. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? Three 2.30, my alarm rang. No, alarm didn't rang. I woke my eyes and I said, oh, it's too early. So by the time I stand to preach, it will be already eight hours. So let me sleep for 20 minutes. 2.50, my eyes opened again. I looked. It's too early. Finally, by 3.20, I woke up. Now, the devil will say, Thing is, okay, what's the need to pray? What should you do? Refuse. Pray. That's not enough. 
Usually when you have problem, how long do you pray? 15 minutes. Today you have no problem, pray 30 minutes. Resist him. That he will never come and tell you not to pray. It's not enough to refuse. You have to resist him. Whatever he tells you, do the opposite, do the double. Especially in offerings. It's good for the church. When he tells you to put 10 rupees, put 20 rupees. Okay, that's what it means. Resist. Submit to God and resist the devil. It's not enough to refuse. You have to resist the devil. First bit of 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. What does he come? Can you see him? Does he come to bite you, eat you? No, he just deceives you. It all begins here with one thought. I always told my students, you know what, when you are in class 10, when you are in class 11 and 12, be very careful. 10 is important because going into college. 11 and 12, after that your career changes. Be very careful in class 10 and class 12. What? The love bug will bite, bite you. Especially if you're a Christian and a good student, what will come? You fall in love with some bakra who is out there. And he's a ram. And before you know, you're moonwalking like Michael Jackson. And by the time the results come out, you who were the first ranger has just passed. Your whole life is gone. Did he tell you not to study? No. He knows if he tells that, he will study because you are a studious person. If he tells, don't listen to the teacher, he knows you will listen because you sit in the front. You take the notes, everything. What did you do? He just put one little ploy and diverted your attention. And young people do not know. Those are the difficult years, but the most careful years you need to be. It's like Daniel. Why is Daniel this thing? This is the most vulnerable age. You heard last Sunday all about the delicacies. Hmm? All about delicacies, especially boys. That is the age of teenage. All your mates are either smoking or drinking. And they will say, Macha, come. That is when you have to realize, I go this way, where will I end? I am going this way. I am going, not going this way. You may be brilliant. You may say, I can handle it. But you know, I know so many of them who are handling it. But their wives are not. And I get calls every day. Calls. You know what? My husband is just a functional alcoholic. Meaning he functions only at office. And at home he's dysfunctional. You know when it started? All of them? When it started? When they were teenage. You have to be careful about these things. Because you know what? It is not just temporal. It is going to destroy your eternity. Destroy your eternity. And God is talking about so many things we invite into our lives by simply not doing the things we were supposed to do. What did Daniel do? No. How did he end up? Top number two in the kingdom of every dispensation. Why? Because he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And he did what he was supposed to do. Numbers 32-23. If you do not do so, then take note. Not if you do so. You know the background, right? Two tribes said, we don't want to cross Jordan. This side is nice and green. 
please, can we stay here? He said, that's your choice. You have free will. I'm not going to tamper with your free will and push you all across the river. That's your choice. But I will tell you, you know, the call was to go over there, fight and possess the land. Your brothers are going to fight. You want to live here, that's your choice. But better cross over, fight until your brothers have taken possession, then cross back and live here. But if you do not do that, be sure. Be sure. You know what it means? No man has the right to be at peace when his brother is at war. No man has the right to be at peace when his brother is at war. Maybe we have freedom in India to worship. We have freedom of everything. But the body of Christ in most parts of the world do not have our freedom. And if you are saying, I want to settle down here. I am okay. I don't have to wake up in the morning and pray. I don't have to intercede. God says, be sure your sin will be found out on that day. What does Hebrews, I didn't give it, 13 and verse 3. Or two. Thirteen two. What does it say? Three. Rome are the prisoners as if chained with them. Are you a prisoner? No. But you know, there are prisoners. And they are part of my own body. Let me ask you, if somebody in your own family, close one, is in the ICU, are you sitting outside? Are you sick? No. But why are you sitting there? Oh, it affects you, right? God says, you have nothing to pray for? No, I'm everything okay. Is everything okay in the body of Christ? Be sure your sin will find you out. It's not what we do. It's what we forget to do. Because he said, they in their chains pray out day and night for you. And you in your freedom don't even remember them. That's what I said. You need to be careful about the kingdom of God. A lot of our issues is that we are like Reuben and God. We are okay. I got a good job. I got my salary. I bought my apartment. All the EMIs are gone. It's fine. I'll go casually to church. God says, be sure. Be sure. Your sin will find you out on that day. Because not of what you did. Because of what you did not do. Ezekiel 3.18 When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. God says, I I was telling the church that I run six or seven billion people on earth. You can't pray for everybody, but you can pray for somebody. The question is, are you praying for somebody? If you don't, God says, that person's Blood, I will require at your hand. You cannot witness to everybody, but there is somebody you can witness to. And he says, if you don't, you don't. Your life has to be a warning for them. Until the sin of the Amorites are full, and then you shall go and destroy them. But how did their sin fall with fill up? If they don't know what is right and wrong, God said, I put three men there. One's name is Abraham, another is Isaac, another is Jacob. When they look at their lives and see their God, they will know their gods are false. If they don't follow these three men's lives, then they are not guilty of sin. Every king and came and made peace with Abraham and Isaac, saying that your God is God. We need to make peace with you. But they did not accept his God. They kept on going the other way. 
the terror of the Lord fall upon the kings and the people of the plains. They would not even raise a finger against Jacob because they knew his God was God. Even Laban said the fear of your God and the fear of your father. But he did not accept that God. God says, do you have a testimony? Do you have a witness? 2020? Did you we have we have prayer requests? Somebody, but did you pray? I'm not saying about casual prayer. I'm talking about really fasting and praying like Nehemiah did. You know what, Lord? I'm gonna pray. Give me a burden, Lord. Give me somebody. Let me start from Jerusalem, my own family, Lord. I wanna pray. I'm praying. I'm standing in the gap, Lord. I'm believing. Romans 12, verse 1. 21, 21. 12, 21. Do not overcome by, overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We take it and immediately start a ministry. Oh, I have to do good works. That's not what it means. A feeding program. That way, no, I will be doing good. No. That's not what he said. How do you overcome evil? By, first day, why do you do evil? Because you don't do good. So that time is free, so you do evil. That's the problem. Why do you think evil? Because you don't think good. That's what it means. It's as simple. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Simple, very simple thing. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good, report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. If you meditate on these things, you will not have time to meditate on wrong things. Simple. How do you come overcome evil? By doing good. How do you overcome evil in your mind? By thinking good. At every counseling session, to every person I will say that doesn't matter what you have gone through in life and what that person did to it. Even two days back to somebody from US, I was saying that. Isn't there something good in that relationship at the end of the day? Yes. Think on that thing. Leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. What are the best thing that that person did in your life? This is it. When you think about that person, think that thing and leave it there. So you know what? You don't allow the devil to rent evil in your mind. Because you allowed God to think good in your mind. It's simple. This is not a brain stroke. This, that's what the Bible is talking about. The simplicity in Christ. It's very simple. How could Jesus, scripture says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and went around doing good. Why? Because he only thought good about people. He wasn't thinking about, oh, wake up and says, I need to give two to the Pharisees today. He didn't. He was still trying to give, save the Pharisees. He didn't wake up like that. That's why we are oppressed. Do you know why people are discouraged? Because they don't encourage themselves. In the worst nightmarish situation in David's life, do you know why he was a true leader? He got up and pursued and overtook because he, every voice around him is discouraging, but he encouraged him. So I have already, nobody to say one good word. Everybody's hand is a stone. What did he do? If I have nobody, I'll encourage myself. He thought good thoughts about God. This is who God is. I am not done yet. And you know what? He just got back. 
This is our problem. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and 10. I only gave 8, 9 and 10. I wish it was in KJV. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There are three words here. Notice, okay? By grace, through faith, unto good works. By faith, by grace, through faith, unto good works. Not by works, but by grace. Through faith, unto good works. Let me ask you some rhetorical questions. Can you see electricity? No. Can, can anybody see electricity? No. Can you see electricity work? Yes. That's why we can see each other, right? Can you see the wind? Can you see its work? Can you see the Holy Spirit? Can you see his work? Can you see grace? Can you see its works? Yes. Yes. You can see its works. That's why you're getting at it. Because there's no excuse. If you're born again, if you're saved by grace, grace has its works. The do's, and you don't ignore the other things. Can you see the devil? No. Can you see your flesh? No. Can you see your body? Yes. Can you see your flesh? No. Do you know the works of the devil? Do you know the works of your flesh? Yes. And what are you doing about it? It's as simple as that. Works of the spirit is this. Works of the flesh is this. Very simple. Right? Otherwise, how do we build up the breaches in the wall? Do you know the devil Look at John chapter 8 verse 44-45 You are of your father the devil Really? Now let me tell you what did the Pharisees do do to call make Jesus call them the devil is their father They attended all his meetings they listened carefully. They took notes also. Only one thing they didn't do. What is that? They didn't believe in him. So what did he call them? If you don't believe in me, you're not of my father. And there's only another father. If you don't believe in me, you're of the other father. You know how simple the gospel is? If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you got a different father. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you get a different father. So the simple question is on Christmas Day, do you believe? Do you believe? Because you are coming back to that. And we are not talking about a believing by Mark chapter 1, 23, 24, Luke 4, 41. You are of, yeah, not this. Did I give you? Mark 1, 23, 24. Not 43, 23, 24. There was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out. Meaning? The mouth and the tongue was a man's, but the spirit is crying out. Let us alone. What have we to do with you? Jesus of Nazareth, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. 
Only one of God. The next one. Luke 4.41. I'm sorry if I didn't give it. The demons also came out many, out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ. You are the? They knew who he was. Not just the son of God, that also he was the anointed one, the son of God. What does it mean? If the devil were to write a paper on systematic theology, you would get an A+. But he's not saved. Finally, when the kingdom of God is established and the judgment takes place on one side are professors, readers and lecturers. And the other side are hearers, believers and doers. The rest are all these things. Because the university have three groups. Professors, readers and lecturers. The devil is a professor. He professes Christ. Yet he doesn't possess Christ. So the question is, are you a professor or a possessor? My doctrine is absolutely owned. I have believed in my heart, confessed in my mouth. Unto? Has grace worked out unto anything? The life of Christ? Because we are at the end of the year. And we are not talking to young, new ones. We are talking about old, hardened ones here. Twelve years. Twelve years. Thirteen years. Second Corinthians. Because the danger is this. We saw 11.3, right? The simplicity that is in Christ. Let not the devil deceive you. But we didn't see 11.4. 11.4 is dangerous. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, which whom we have not preached, you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted. So, In the churches, there is a different Jesus, which is not the same as the Jesus of the Bible. A different gospel, which is not according to the gospel of the Bible. And a different spirit, which you receive. And you can think, you are saved when you are on the way to hell. That is what the Bible is talking about. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. That's what I said. Blindness in this in the world. Deception is in the church. Deception is in the church. Because you are saved by grace, through faith, unto, unto the works of the Spirit. It will show. And it will show with increasing measure. It will show. Not that you are saved by your works, but if you are saved, the works will show. Because you are saved by the Spirit and the Spirit has works. The Spirit has works. The Spirit of God and the Word of God, when they come together, it always works. It is like bringing that two wires together, there is a spark. The whole Spirit of God is hovering over the waters and there is a darkness. And then the Word comes, let there be light, boom, they come together. And there is light. Whenever there is the Word of God and the Spirit of God comes together and you believe and you take one step of faith, it works. If there is no works, that means there is no faith. So not there is no grace. There is no faith. Grace is always there. But the question is, do you have faith? Is your faith genuine? Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. Right? Didn't I give it? Oh, I gave it. Uh, 13, 13, not 12, 12. 13, 5 and 6. Second Corinthians 13, 5 and 6. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that? 
Interesting. I go to church. That's not the answer. Is Christ in you? How did, how did the demons know who he was? And how did the people know who he was? What did the book of Acts says? Jesus Christ was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing. That was the work of the Holy Spirit because he's a good spirit. Unto good works. Not good works made him good. He was good, therefore he did good works. This is the key. This is the, You cannot sit there and say, because at the day, God will say, accounts. Lord. Yes, Ajay. What is the accounts? Grace. I gave you grace. What did you do with grace? What did you do with grace? That's why at the end of the year, we need to be very, very careful where we stand. Careful where we stand. And we are all guilty, primarily, of the sin of omission. As I close, few verses. James chapter 5, 13, 14. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him. Did you pray? I know suffering, because I get every day it's calls the calls of suffering. Suffering calls I get, and the pastor also suffers. <laughs> and pastor prays. <laughs> the question is, yes, you're suffering. But the problem is, did you pray? And it's not talking about any casual prayer. Did you pray like it was told in the prayer? To give him no rest day and night. Until you had justice. Or did you outsource your prayer? So it was not your suffering that was the problem. It's what you did not do. What is that you did not do? You did not pray. And the next one? If anyone? Cheerful. Let him? Not balle balle, psalms. Oh, you, we all sing. That's not the song it's talking about. When was the last time you sang a scriptural song? A hymn or a chorus. Continuously the whole day. It's like the pastor, this guy, old guy comes and says, Pastor in North India, Pastor, my house is Pastor said, okay, pray one day I will come to your house. When he's going to his house, he's hearing the radio full blast, kuch kuch hota hai. He told him, aray, ye sunkar hota hai, ghar mein to kuch kuch hota hai hoga. What is your song? Are you happy? You know why you sing worldly songs? Because it's worldly happiness. You know why you don't sing psalms? Because there is no joy. The things which we did not do. If anybody happy, Lord, thank you, Lord, I'm going to throw a party. God said, did I tell you that? I told you to sing. So your neighbors would have heard. And they would have said, why are you singing today? Because my God has blessed me. You would have an opportunity to witness. But you didn't sing. Why is that you are always singing? Don't you have trouble? Of course. Then why are you singing? Because my God is good. Do you sing? Anyone among you sick? Let him. Did you call? He called the doctor. Did you call God? Judges 5.23 
Curse Meros, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly. Because they did not come to help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. But that is not what actually happened. Deborah and Barak and the soldiers, some tribes are going to fight. They are fighting. But where did the Lord come? It didn't say they did not come to help the brothers. It says they did not come to help the Lord in the battle of their brothers. When your person, your brother, your sister, in here or somewhere else is struggling, God says, did you help them? Did you help them? Did you pray for them? Did you stand in the gap for them? Or if practically you could help them, actually you saw the need and did you help them? Curse me. Mirrors. Curse me. You know why people are so empty in the kingdom of God when we are supposed to be the most powerful set of people because grace has been given to us and grace is the power of the Holy Spirit is because we do not do what we are supposed to do. We don't do what we are supposed to do. What we are supposed to do. So as this morning as we come, Brahma the rich man built his barn Everything full. Oh, what a fantastic harvest this time. You know what? I'm going to break down and build. Can make it into 21st century. Merger, acquisition, whatever, whatever, whatever. But do you know what God came and said? You fool. Do you know this night you're going to die? Now if you look at it, there's nothing he did was per, per se wrong. There was only one thing that was wrong. God said he did not factor God into it. He was not rich towards God. And here, God comes over here. Do you think God needs my money? No. God needs my prayers? No. God needs my fasting? No. God needs my help? No. But my brother does. And when you do it to your brother, God says, you do it to me. You do it to me. That's how closely Christ identifies with the body of Christ. So that's one question that struck Saul of Tarsus, which changed him. God asked him one question. Saul, Saul, star. Why do you persecute you? I thought I was persecuting Christian. He said, no, it's me. You touch them, you touch me. Touch them, you touch me. That's when he realized, my God, the entire Judaic law, I had never realized the Lord and his body are one. And God says, did you see it that way? When they did not go to help their brothers, they did not rise to help me. Curse be to them. The sin of omission. Because when we look into our column for 2020, we will have this column. I did this, I did this, I did Oh, thank you, Lord. I did this, 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 I did. Oh, I broke this. I have to repent for that. But, but we forget another column where we did not do the things we were supposed to do. It's lying blank. Let's sit with a different register today. Lord, what are the things I was supposed to do? Help me to do the next 10 days, Lord. What I was supposed to do and I didn't do it. The sin of omission. You know you were supposed to do it, but you didn't do it. You know you're supposed to wake up and study the word. You know you're supposed to pray. You know you're supposed to rest well on a Saturday night so that you don't sleep in church. You know you should have worked. You should have, you know, the spiritual things, practical things, all these things. You know you are supposed to do it, but you did not do it. And above all, there are young people sitting over here. They know they need to believe in Christ Jesus, but they don't. They refuse to. 
And the danger of it, I keep telling Pastor, the danger of it is this. The longer you stay under the word, the more resistant you are becoming. You need to think about it seriously. Seriously think about it. But this is the most important question of life. When you stand before God, God will ask you, what did you do with my son? If you didn't do anything with your son, okay, let me deal with your sin. That's why the scripture says, books are opened. And then there is another book, the book of life. Let me see how I should judge them. Because your name wasn't there. Therefore, everything else matters. But if your name is there, then it's a different ball game altogether. Okay, he's my child. Okay, you stand on this side. You, I will deal with you separately. Because you are my child. You, name is not there, so you are my enemy. So I need to deal with you as an enemy. This is the most difficult and the, what I look, why I'm saying tough is that 2020 was the most difficult year for the world in the last 50, 60 years. If this lockdown, this pandemic, this panic hasn't changed your mind that the end is here, what will make you? What will make you? All this hasn't changed. 20 days from now, we do not even know who's going to be the next president. If it is the other guy who's going to be president, he wants to lock down even more. That means going to economic collapse altogether. Because they want to make slaves of people dependent entirely upon the government. You don't even have the face to say yes to Jesus. How are you going to resist what is coming? The question is, why should I have your blood on my hands if you're not interested? It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. First be a child of God. Then we can talk the rest. But if you're not a child of God and you sit in the house of God, you know what you become? You become like the Pharaoh. It doesn't matter what he sees and how hard the hand is, it doesn't affect him. He gets harder and harder and harder. Even his sorcerers and counselors are saying, this is the hand of God. Please let them go. He says, no. This is all scripture. All scripture. So take it light. Don't take it lightly. Take it seriously. The most important question in your life is, do you know Jesus? Do you believe you're saved by grace, through faith, unto good works? What you look is the work of grace flowing out. Then you know you are saved. No, it is happening. Inside there is a churning. I repent. He convicts me. He speaks to me. I am changing. I am working on it. You know you are saved. But sitting like this, nothing happens. That means you are not saved. I'm not talking about sitting here. I'm not sitting here is the one thing. Sitting in your rooms is another thing. How do you sit in your rooms? Untouched, unmoved. It's a very dangerous place to be. Very, very dangerous place to be. Unmoved, untouched through the week. You never open your Bible. You never pray a prayer. You never worship God. You don't do anything. The most dangerous place to be in. There's more hope for the man on the street who has never heard the gospel than for people who sit in the church and never accept the gospel. Who has more hope? Man on the street. That's we hear online all the time. First time heard. I never knew somebody loved me. God loved me so much. Boom. They're gone. They come into the kingdom. They struggle. Yes. But they come into the kingdom. And the struggle is different because now they have somebody to help them through their struggles. Okay. It's not that you are not old enough. All of the youngest is 15 years old. Sitting here. 15 years old. 
In today's world, 15 years is 25 of my age, my times. Because at 15, you know more than I knew at 25, especially about evil. We didn't know how to, most of the evil that is there prevalent today. We didn't even know it existed. I was in that other country, border. All young people from villages and all. And I asked, do you understand LGBTQ? They said, we do. I said, what? You do? They said, yes, we do. When I was growing up, gay means you are happy. You ask any one of them sitting over here, any young person, I will bet you they all know what it is. How do you know so much and you don't know Christ? How do you know all these things? So you're exploring evil and ignoring good. The Bible says be innocent when it comes to evil and excellent when it comes to good. Tough times are ahead. Tough times are ahead. Be very, very careful. Because you know, you can erase on earth. Your search history is not erased in heaven. It's not erased. All our mobile, all our internet, what are you doing with it? Doing with it. Let's stand up this morning and be very, very, I'm not even giving an altar call. <laughs> There's no point in giving an altar call. You can make the call yourself. <laughs> Enough optical calls. Now you need to make the call yourself. Am I going to follow him or not? I'm going to bend my knee to him or not. I've heard it enough. And before 2021 comes, you know, Lord, I want to be your child. I really want to be your child. I want to walk with you. It is a difficult struggle, yes, but I'm ready for the struggle. It's a struggle worth fighting for. It's a struggle worth its price in gold. Spiritual things are worth it. Don't worry about your body, Jesus said. Don't worry about it. Worry about your soul. The one who can kill and throw your body and soul into hellfire. That's what God is talking about. Seriously, you have to think, young people. Seriously, seriously think. On one on one. Go back to your houses, your rooms. Get on your knees with God and say, Lord, please help me. Like that father said, help me. I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me to stop sitting on this wall. Too long I have sat. Because 12 months ago we said, rise up and build. What if you haven't even risen? You're still sitting there, not even risen. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you. Then they will hear your voice. Follow me. Sweetest two words we can hear. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. I pray, Lord, today, the days to come, your children will hear that voice. Follow me. Stop following vain things. Follow him, who is the author of life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come here, our church here, all our churches, all those who are listening online. And I pray, Lord, we'll not be guilty of this sin. Because all we have to do to go to hell is to ignore you. You don't have to do one thing. 
just ignore you. We'll land up in hell. Wrapped up, packaged by the devil, delivered into the fires of hell. All we have to do is ignore you and ignore the gospel. And I pray, Lord, let no one ignore the gospel. For the gospel was paid with the blood of your son. With the life of your son. No one after Calvary has to go to hell. No one. No one has to go to hell. The price has been paid for everyone in full. Let them believe, Lord. Let everyone believe. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come in the rest of the day into thy hands. Go with us. Go before us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you.